Welcome to Jesus Has Left the Building, where we talk with people leading creative, outside the box, I mean outside the church building, ministries that inspire and engage us. Our third season, recorded during Lent 2021, connects our desire to follow Jesus outside the church building and the recognition that Lent is an invitation to quiet our minds and hearts. Our guests share how they find nourishment as they build God's kingdom. This is the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where ministers, people of faith, activists, and church leaders have left the building too, with Marta and Mandy. This episode features the good Christian woman, aka Kylie Michaels, or Kai Brown. Kylie is a drag queen, stand-up comedian, MC, lip-sync assassin, published writer, ordained minister, live singer, and music conductor. They are currently the music director and lay pastor of Mission and Innovation at First Christian Church, Colorado Springs. They are active throughout queer communities as a leader who promotes love and justice. We talk about drag culture, Christianity, community, eternal damnation, and almost everything in between, with just a few expletives thrown in. In the spirit of prophet and mystic, or spirituality and social action, the inward journey and the outward reach, teachers and conversational partners. We asked you here today because we know the work of Jesus, both in action and rest are important. Sometimes Jesus needs to leave the building to go to the other side of the lake by himself or up to the mountain, to the hillside. He dismisses the crowds or sends the multitude away. Often he was alone and simply prayed by himself. In some ways, we must begin with ourselves before we birth something new outside of ourselves. Lent is a time of planting seeds. We want to hear about your seeds of devotion. So I'm super excited about this conversation um, because I love Kai and I'm so excited to share them with this community um, of our, our podcast community. Um, I've known Kai for about four years, right? Um, when I was the director of music and arts at First Congregational Church in downtown Colorado Springs, Kai was hired as the artistic director of Out Loud, Colorado Springs Gay Men's Chorus that's, um, that was founded at First Congregational Church. And I had been around for almost all of um, Out Loud's existence. I got to FCC um, about six months after the first Out Loud concert ever. Um, and I had known all of the previous directors, um, you know, in varying degrees, some of them quite well. But as soon as I met Kai, I knew that you would bring something different to this ensemble. And I was so right. Um, the first time I saw you direct, I was like amazed by your conducting precision and the way that you drew something out of them. And I remembered thinking, oh, I'm going to like them because I saw in you some kind of similarities in my style, like this um, working people really hard because you know what they are capable of. And so there's this kind of unyielding push and drive for excellence, mm -hmm. but it's all housed in this compassion and this desire to really bring um I'm going to get a little misty, um, to bring the very best out of people. Um, and I saw that in you and, and, you know, but 
Kai lived in Denver and I was here in the Springs. Um, and you, you like drove down every week for, um, those three or four years. Um, but then in, um, October this past fall, you took a job at First Christian Church, um, which is downtown Colorado Springs, and moved to Colorado Springs. And um, I think it was within that first week that you were here in Colorado Springs that Russ and I... I think it was like a couple days after I moved. Right, right. Like like in the first couple of days you were here, Russ and I um, had you over onto the porch for COVID drinks. We were trying to be safe outside. Um, and I really feel like we just haven't actually stopped talking to each other since that first drink on the porch. Nope. Um, you, you have become very quickly one of my favorite people. Um, you know, we have so much in common with our love of choral music, our commitment to justice, our calling to ministry our super fabulous hair. <laughs> I am so excited to welcome you, Kai, to Jesus Has Left the Building. So um, we want to start, this first question is, we just want you to talk about um, your work as Kylie Michaels, the good Christian woman. Um, how You can talk about how you got into ministry. You can talk about how you got into drag. Um, you can talk about how you decided to put them together. Um, you can talk about how that's playing out in your you know, new role as music director and lay pastor of mission and innovation at First Christian. Um, just talk to us about this amazing work you're doing. Yeah, well, thank you for thank you for your kindness and what you said about me. I appreciate it. I know you were like, I'm getting messy. I was like, me too, girl, stop it. <laughs> uh, so, I've always, I remember, so I was raised Southern Baptist, um, but I was always, I always loved church. Even when it, even when I, I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, the teachings of the Southern Baptist church as a whole, it's just, I disagree with so many, so much of it and so much of how they evangelize and how they're just trying to save people from damnation, whatever that means. I don't believe in it, but I look back and I'm like, what? I was obviously a kid, but I always just loved the church. And if you would have asked me as a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said a preacher or a teacher. It's the same thing. Um, and now, and now just in the ways of my life, just realizing that preacher and teacher is so much more than standing in a pulpit or standing in front of a classroom. Um, but I, so I saw my, so this is a, big question to answer <laughs> it is um I started I saw my first drag queen when I like a couple days after I turned 18 years old in Dallas Texas I went to a show at station or s4 it's a big gay nightclub and they have a room upstairs that has drag shows I think it's Wednesday it used to be Wednesday through Sunday it's called the Rose Room and it's prestigious it's one of the most known drag rooms in the country in queer culture and I remember seeing Cassie Nova and Crystal Summers and I was like and I've always acted I've been act, been on stage since I was like eight years old and I was like that looks interesting that looks fun it like being able to step out of that box and be someone else and so I remember doing drag for the first time when I was an undergrad 
I did my undergrad at the University of Texas in Tyler, so about two hours east of Dallas. And it was really bad. They had one gay bar and it was open one night a week. Um, and it was just really bad. And then when I went to grad school, so about 2010 is when I started performing regularly. When I did my master's degree about 20 minutes south of Austin at Texas State University. So I lived close enough to Austin and I just traveled back and forth. Um, so this all will connect at some point. So I've always loved Jesus, always loved the church. Um, and I've always loved drag since the first time I saw it. And so I was doing drag and still, I've been a director of music for over a decade. So I started as my junior year of undergrad. So about the same time I dressed up in drag for the first time. And obviously at a small East Texas church where they didn't even know I was queer, I was sure enough in the closet because I wanted a paycheck. From, <laughs> I wanted a paycheck from Jesus. And I was like, I won't get a paycheck from Jesus if they know big old queer um it, it was wild though because every pastor I, I was in the united methodist church the first two churches i served and then i was in the pc usa church and now i'm in the disciples of christ all the pastors knew i was gay and they didn't care but it's just those congregations in small east texas or small outside of austin towns just they still are very much in that baptist mindset like let's save people from hell and so I was doing drag. I, when I went to grad school, I was doing drag, um, working at the church. And then I was in limbo after my master's degree for about two, a year. And then I accepted a job in Denver and came to Denver. And I was really open with them. I was like, I'm, I'm queer and I'm not going back in the closet. So if, if I don't fit your congregation, don't waste your money on flying me out to do my interview because I don't want you to waste my time or your money. And they had a conversation, and it is, is, is not an open and affirming church. They're open and accepting is what they say, but they're not a part of any, they don't make a statement. And I think that statement is important. Um, so I was doing drag and I was actually started out, the good Christian woman thing started out as a, just being funny. Um, Cause I would tell people I'd work, I work at a church when I was in drag and people's faces were just like, what? Um, and so they start, people started calling me the good Christian woman. And then I just made it a shtick. Um, and I, now if you go anywhere in the queer community in Colorado and you say the good Christian woman, people know who I am and what I'm about. Because I was very open about my faith. That's the thing. I've never denied that I'm a Christian. Like when people ask, are you really a Christian? I'm like, absolutely. And they're like, how can you be a Christian and be a drag queen? I'm like, because I follow the teachings of Jesus Christ which I think was this cool radical person that was um, that walked the face of this earth. And, and they, it, it, it's just so astounding, like watching people's faces just shift. And I think my ministry as a drag entertainer started, I had a show before COVID hit in, at X bar in Denver and it was called the Kylie Michael show. And it was a good Christian woman, Kylie Michael show, whatever you want to call it. And the community, the queer community, a community really hurt by the church, really demonicized by the church, started calling the show Queer Church. I didn't never call it that. Um, and that's when I realized I was doing something with both my ministry and being a queer drag queen Christian 
was when the community started calling my show that. And I actually asked people that started calling it that, why do you call this queer church? And their response was just, this is a place that I feel like I can be trans and be myself and be safe. Um, I recall, it might've been one of y'all cause it was a show y'all were at, but I recall this question being asked here in the Springs at the show I hosted Icons. What does church and a drag queen be, look like? And I was like, we're here. I, I, and I know we all both agree, like we have to break down the barriers of what the system has told us church is, I think if we wanna succeed in ministry. And so I think it just happened naturally for me. And- Well, okay, I, I'm just like, as I'm listening to you talk, I probably think that you in drag, you as a person of faith and those intersecting ideas, um, really um presented the love of god to the people that surrounded you in a way that they had not felt that way like if you had just been drag and not the good christian woman or or shared your faith then i don't think that queer church would have been created in the same way i think it was both in the fully showing you who you were, not just as a queer person, not just as a drag queen, but as a person of faith is what really made that connection. If, if I can guess. Yeah, no, I agree because I've had so many people who yearn for spirituality, who yearn for a faith or who, who yearn for a personal connection with something beyond us but have been so hurt by the system that in which we all work. And that's, and that's one thing I say as a drag entertainer, when people ask me, well, why do you work for the church? I'm like, because I want to break down the system from within. Cause I think that's how we're going to, I think that's how, I think that's what we're going to have to do. Um, and there are so many parallels. So I'm currently writing a book, who knows when it'll be finished, but about the parallels of Christianity and queer culture because there's a lot of parallels because it's community community it's about our tribe our people that we're around and I see so many so so many healthy relationships healthier relationships in queer culture than I do in the church I see so mm -hmm. many um just really broken which is okay that's part of us being Christian we all come to this table as broken humans but and with full acceptance and a place to be but I but I see so much um unwellness in the church that I see so much health and thriving in the queer community because people are actually able to be vulnerable with each other whereas in in the church where there's so much shame and sin whatever the fuck that means oh sorry whatever that means um but our listeners, our listeners are fine with the F-bomb. Okay, cool, because <laughs> cool, you might get it, or you did get it. Uh, but there's so much shame, and we're, there's so much of what we're trying to be accepted by the church, when at the end of the day, we're all really messed up. Even if we're all perfect, we're all really messed up. Because totally. if you look at Jesus by societal standards, then when Jesus was walking the face of this earth, Jesus was really messed up but still created a really beautiful space for us to come to this table together. Jesus definitely did not embody the Western norms that we all are like dripping with shame from. 
Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And so I think there is, I, I digress heavily where, with whatever I was going, but there is so much shame in the church that I don't see in the queer, in queer culture because people are able to be like, and people are able to hold each other accountable. Whereas in the church, it's a mess. I mean, it's a mess right now as, a, as the church as a whole, I'm saying is it. So, so you bring your faith to like icons and other, yeah. you know, drag shows, right? And so that's where you do, your ministry really has the intersections. Now, do you bring the drag show to the church? And what does that look like? Because Mandy and I are about to put you on the calendar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the answer to your question is yes, I do. Um, whenever asked, I have not done it at First Christian yet. Part of that is also because we have not met in person in right. almost a year. Um, and it's hard being a new parish person, <laughs> parish worker in the middle of a pandemic, especially as right. a music director. It's been one of the most challenging things. Um, but yes, this past year I preached three times virtually in drag, twice at House for All Sinners and Saints, and then once at Columbine Universalist Unitarian Church. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, I do bring it to the church. And yes, I want to bring it to the church. I think it, I think it opens a, a realm of vulnerability in the church that a lot of us, a lot of people don't understand or don't um, yeah, we'll say with, stick with understand or comprehend, like they don't understand it or they don't understand why I do it. Whereas in a part of, I, I must say, so I came out as non-binary. Well, tell us, tell yeah. us why you do it. Well, I'm going to, <laughs> I came out as non-binary two and a half years ago. And if it wasn't for Kylie Michaels, I don't think I would have been ever able to live my authentic life. Kylie Michaels grabs the world by the balls and says, you're going to come with me and we're going to do this journey together. Whereas in Kai Brown, before I came out as non-binary, was timid with that. Didn't really understand what non-binary meant. Didn't understand what transness was. Didn't, was very just set in the binary. And I think it was because of how I was raised and just what the system says someone who was born with a penis needs to do and what someone was born with a vulva needs to do. And Kylie helped me identify my authenticity, identify my identity as a human and in my humanness. And, it, and becoming non-binary has been one of the most freeing things I've ever experienced in my life because it's breaking down that system of what the government what the church is telling us we need to be in our gender and in our sexuality and so kylie helped me identify that and so that's one of the big reasons why i preach in drag because i'm the most comfortable in drag i feel this almighty holy spirit power that i don't feel all the time when i'm in my day-to-day -day life that's why many of my shows when I host, they get so uplifting because you get there's sometimes like I start talking and I am preaching. I might not be preaching to a direct text, but I am preaching to those people in that audience. And it's because I, I get full. I get full of the Holy Spirit or the divine, whatever you want to call it, when I'm in drag. And I think that's why it, it gets prophetic almost. 
Absolutely. That, I've and, seen that. Yeah. And that, that's what I was going to say, Mandy and Russ. I mean, I think since we've been back at, I've started since we've been back after this last shutdown, I think they've missed one show. Um, it's and, true. We're addicted. Yeah. And it, but I get, there's points where I just get really passionate about loving my neighbor. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what my life is in is being empathetic to the people and loving people, even when it, we can, when we disagree. And mm-hmm. so I, I get passionate about it and I get preachy and people see it. And so it's loving neighbor and loving self, loving God. It's so, yeah. I think there's this, like, I have seen you, um, that, that real balance of, of authenticity of, of saying hard things and holding people accountable and also, um, recognizing the belovedness in every person and you know sometimes in a drag show it's um also like super funny you know like there's no holds barred right because you can say all of the things and i think like that we need to bring a piece of that maybe not all of it but a big chunk of it to the church right like there needs to be the ability to say those hard things um, I mean, Marta walked into my office this morning and went on a rampage and I was like, um, you know, hold on, let's think about how you're going to say this when you actually say it to the person you need to say it to. But like, and so there's some softening that needs to happen, but we need to be able to tell each other, like, this is, this is the real deal. Right. And, um, you do that in such a loving way and such a, um, God filled spirit filled way that like, man, if we could bottle that up and put that into the church, it would be transformative. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, and I've, and I learned that I learned that vulnerability and I learned that passion through my colleagues. And I don't even like saying colleagues, but through queer people, through people that I know in the community and through people that have given me a space and a platform to talk and talk authentically. Um, I, I have to admit, like, I, as an empath, I just feel so deeply. And I, I think one of the things, like, as humans, we're taught this, especially as Americans, we're taught, and it's growing up evangelical, we're taught we need to change people to save them or to our evangelicism. And I'm like, evangelicism is just by showing people that you love them. Like, don't, because if you, if you walk up to me and say, you're doomed for hell, I'm like, baby, I'm already there. I live in America. Like I'm already there. Like I don't need, and I know there's other places on this earth that are way worse and way more hell, whatever hell is. But I don't, I don't think the God of compassion and love that we worship, that loves all unconditionally unending, whatever sin people beyond this, this realm to a place of damnation or burning or whatever was created by males probably more than likely by males to control people and that was something profound for me recognizing that in my faith um because hell always scared me as a kid i that's one of the reasons why i had and i came out young i came out at 15 i'm 33 now um but one of the hard, and it's just, I think it's my resilience of this is who I am. And my authenticity started then and it's still, it's a journey. But it was that idea of if I don't fit XYZ or ABC, whatever, 
I'm going to go to a really bad place. That's not right. We should like, that's not right. <laughs> I'm like, we're not worshiping the same God. And I think our evangelicism, I think, I, and we've, as a progressive Christian, I, when we hear evangelical or evangelicism, a lot of, it's like, that's a bad word. We don't say that, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think, I think how we act within it is bad. It just needs to be reclaimed. It needs to be reclaimed. And I think I, I think I evangelize every time I walk on a stage and drag and say, I am a good Christian woman. Or when people ask me, are you a Christian? Really? Yes, I am. And by being compassionate and showing love and holding people accountable, that's how I show, that's how I evangelize. They know I'm not going to tell you what to believe. Cause honestly, I don't care what you believe or what you don't believe. Just be a good person. So, um, this season, um, another guest we are having come on is a trans woman who is my dear friend and who's also a member of the church. Um, and, you know, she did this whole little um, trans etiquette 101, um, mostly for my benefit because I kept on messing up. Um, but, um, and one of the things that she said, and she was also full of grace in the way that you are like, just so graceful and so like loving and present and, um, which, you know, is helpful for stupid people like me. Um, <laughs> but, um, would you, and I, and one of the things she says is, you know, she just kept on repeating over and over again was that she only can speak for herself. Right. Cause you know, yeah. there, the fluidity yeah. is there's so much fluidity and there's so much diversity and uniqueness to each person. Um, but would you say, um, as identified, you know, just for our listeners out there, because I'm all in this teaching place, right. Yeah. Um, would you say, um, that at, as identified as a non-binary, that um, that being full trans woman would not fulfill that, um, but that having these moments of being able to be in drag as Kylie does give you sort of both realms of the spectrum that fulfill your cup in a way otherwise. Is that how you would? Yes and no. So I do not identify as a trans woman. I do not identify as a cis male. I, w I was assigned male at birth. I identify somewhere in between. I, we're, we're, so, we're taught in this culture, in our culture, that it's black and white, if you will. It's boy and girl. Um, and it's not. We're, we're, taught, we're taught so much that gender is that binary when gender is just a full spectrum, just like sexuality, just like a color spectrum, just like light, um, just like this universe that we live in. It's a spectrum, it's so full and it's so much, it's just like God. It's so much bigger than anything our little humanness, human brains can ever encompass. But we try to put these human labels on it because as humans, we love those labels. And I'm a seven Enneagram, eight wings. So whenever my eightness comes out in my work a lot and I very What's much the, eight? the commander likes to be in control and I so labels have always I'm very much a bullet point list I like my bullet points I like my labels and that's something that's been very fruitful for me is to break down those labels and to be like you know I can be somewhere in between that male and female aspect. I am not a trans woman. I'm not a cisgendered male, 
that I am somewhere in between. I, you know, and some days I wake up and I'm like feeling my feminine oats, as you will, and I will wear a dress with, and not a stitch of makeup and my hairy legs and I don't give a shit and I feel powerful. No one can take that away from me unless I allow them to take that away from me. I love that. And that's one thing I, in my transness, my non-binary, so trans is a huge umbrella that non-binary is a realm under. Um, it's an umbrella blanket term, but I, went, one thing in my gender journey, if you will, when people have an issue with my gender, it's not me because I know who I think I am. I know, I know what God brought me. Well, I, it's all a journey, right? So, but in this moment in today, I think I know what God brought me to this earth to do, what my creator brought me here to do. And that's ever so changing. But when people have a problem with my identity, it has nothing to do with me. It has mm-hmm. to do with them. And there are deep-seated insecurities or deep-seated systemic homophobia that we don't realize exists. So I think that you have answered this mostly already, but um, Jesus has in fact left the building. Um, (laughs) Jesus actually left the building a long time ago, but Jesus officially made that clear in the last year. Um, So how does that land with you during this time and place, both um, both as a... um, minister and in ministry at First Christian and as um, a drag queen, all the things, however you want to answer that. Yeah, Jesus has left the building. Um, I, I agree. I love, I love your little bit of a rebuttal. Like Jesus left the building a long time ago. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think back to when I came out of the closet and I left the church for about a two-year period. When I was 16, I asked my Sunday school teacher, how can you tell us this God loves us so much, but if we don't fit this certain mold that so this pastor's teaching us, we're going to go to hell. And I remember her leaning across the table. I, I mean, I remember it vividly. And I don't remember a lot from my childhood, just with some trauma that happened. Um, but I remember her saying, you can't ask that. And I literally got up and walked out and was like, I'm not a part of this. I, I, but I never lost faith. But Jesus, and while I love that thing, Jesus has left the building, I, don't th- I, I think the Holy Spirit dwells within always. And I think, it, and I think it's within everyone. I, I, I truly believe that. I think everyone has a little bit of Holy Spirit in them. It's just, how do you nurture that? It's like a seed. How do you nurture that? How do you embrace it? How do you embrace that seed that you're cultivating? How do you embrace the Holy Spirit within you? And how do you let the Holy Spirit be that empathetic, compassionate, unending love that God teaches us throughout the Bible? And people talk about the queerness in the Bible and how the Bible talks against homosexuality six times, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't. But I'm like, okay, so say those passages where you think that scripture says something bad about homosexuality. How many other times does, is the Bible counteracting that with love and compassion for your neighbor? So while Jesus has left the building, I think the Holy Spirit is ever so present. And even when we might not feel the Holy Spirit present, there are many stories in this 
book that we read where God was silent. The Holy Spirit was silent. But God always provides a well or a stream or, or, or some kind of uh, metaphor that shows it. Hey, I'm still here, y'all, and I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes God provides silence, and God provides silence sometimes for a reason. And I think that's what happened with me at the beginning of the pandemic back almost a year ago. God provided me silence to realize you are a child of God. You are beloved and you have talents to show this belovedness that I, that, that they've created within me. So I'm just going to say it again. Jesus may have left the building, but the Holy spirit while maybe silent is still ever so present. What I love about your story up until this point, all of it, all of the answers, it's making me think about um, how we titled the podcast, Jesus has left the building, I think, um, and, you know, I don't want to speak for Mandy, um, but we are, you know, here we are two cisgender, you know, straight women who feel, um, I think a lot of the time um, in the closet that we call the sanctuary building and and what this jesus has left the building podcast has done for us is it has we've broken out of that mold and i think um and i see you doing the same thing in your own in your own way that you have left the confines of um where you feel god no longer exists fully and I think that's how we f- have been feeling about um, this church building on Sunday morning is that we yeah. have sort of been stuck a little bit in the confines of a structure that um, no longer feeds us in the way that we feel totally authentic and vulnerable in 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 the same way that you feel when um you can break out and be kylie michaels the good christian woman and so um that was just sort of the intertwinings because you were already answering that question all over the place um (laughs) but i the um, thing i love about it is jesus like when we say jesus has left the building like if we look at jesus's ministry jesus never had a building right right yes we put jesus in the building we put jesus in the building in our humanness and it's it's and we put so much on this structural thing that just needs i yeah i i agree with what you're saying like we need to break down these barriers and jesus was one of the most authentic people to live during their time really pushing back against the patriarchy, the government, the oppressive, very oppressive government, the oppressive uh, religious institution. It, Jesus, I, and I think my favorite high holy day, if you will, I, that term is interesting. Um, what is it? But is Monday Thursday. But I think it's one of the most vulnerable times in Jesus's ministry where he was just with his disciples and he was upset because why wouldn't they pray with him? Why wouldn't they pray with him? Why were they sleeping? And then he still knew, he knew, Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified soon and die our death, die our death, and still talked about love others as I have loved you. That and is, then wash their stinking feet. I, and then wash their feet and then died that death. 
it it's talk about a vulnerability that I mean, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, you damn well know I'm not going to be washing people's feet. <laughs> like, I, if I'm being real, but just talk about the beauty and the vulnerability and the authenticity within their ministry. It, it's, it's, it's my favorite High Holy Day because of that. Um, sorry, I, I digressed again. Which That's okay. So, good. so um, we have this... Um, this devotional book that is going to be guiding our conversations, um, Seeds of Devotion, um, that was written and newly published actually by my husband. And so that's sort of where this whole seed um, metaphor is coming from. Um, so where are you fighting, finding seeds of devotion? What sustains you? And where do you see hope and what grounds you during or what you hope does, especially during this season of Lent? Um, Little practice that you might have. I always try to take on something new instead of take away something. Um, because I always, it's like New Year's resolutions when I am always try to give up something. I always fell miserably. Mm -hmm. um, especially when I'm being put to a schedule by someone else that's not myself. That's that eight Enneagram commander in me. Um, so what's the state? So the seed of devotion that I've already decided is I'm going to just practice some spiritual practices. I'm going to, I already do a prayer group twice a week and I'm going to up it to four times a week because it's available um, six times a week. And then what sustains me? Honestly, having a good drag show is what sustains me. I get the highest high when I have an audience that is listening, that's attentive to what I'm saying. And that there's just a sacredness. Like this past Friday, for instance, there was just- You were a, in the zone. I was in the zone. And there was just a sacredness about it. And that's what gives me hope because the thing I love about icons here in Colorado Springs is yes, it's a gay bar, but it's, a, it's also a bar that you can be straight and come and be just as loved on as our queer, queer folk. Because I, we realize that, well, I realize, I'm not gonna speak for the owners. I think they realize, I, I would think they would agree with me. We realize there has to be unity. We have to stop pointing fingers and saying, and we have to realize that people are going to mess up. That's part of us as humans. And that's what I, I'm hopeful for is with this change coming into the new year, a new political environment. And I'm hoping and having a president that extend, extends grace, extends compassion. I'm hoping it speaks to people and that grace becomes something we make a forefront again because we all realize like the only people's shoes that we think we know are how to walk in are our own and sometimes when you struggle with mental illness and you realize oh well maybe not today but I can't look for you at you Marta and you Mandy and say you need to this is how you need to experience things I can't do that and so that's where I see hope is that I think grace is happening I think it's I think it's been something we've been yearning for. And I think it's finally showing itself again in our American culture. And, gr and grace and love is what grounds me. 
gmail.com. I'll put that um, in the resources. Also, um, the show that um, we took my boys to, who are 10 and 7, um, is Kylie's um, Bingo Brunch, which happens on Saturdays, um, 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. Um, you can go and play bingo and eat some yummy food and um, see drag and it's super fun. Um, so check those things out. Well, we are so grateful um, for this time together and this conversation. Um, I'm super grateful to have two of my favorite people in the same room together. So yay. Awesome. yay it was you. really great. Thank you. Next week, our final episode of Season 3 features Rev. Dr. Jackie Lewis, pastor of Middle Collegiate Church in the East Village of New York City. She shares her work and her seeds of devotion with us. We hope you join us. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Find us on Facebook at Black Forest Community Church United Church of Christ and message us to learn how you can be a part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships, and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world. To support our work, search for Black Forest Community Church on Venmo to make a one-time donation or become a patron on our Patreon account at P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash J-H-L-T-B to commit monthly to this project. You'll get regular communications and updates about our stories. Thank you to all those who support and listen. We could not do this without you.